many years ago now. I'm not exactly sure how many. I think it might have been 11 or 12 years ago. I was with our beloved Bishop James O'Chael in Kenya. The occasion was the ordination of James Manley, uh, who, who serves the parish now as a assisting uh, priest. And uh, we were in Kenya, and the bishop had made it really clear to us there was going to be an election uh, the day after Christmas, or two days after Christmas. And the bishop said, I want to make sure that you you get done with all of our, all we got to get done. I was there for some other stuff, and and I want you to preach at James's ordination, but then I want you guys to, to home, because there's a little bit of unrest usually around Kenyan elections. And so he made sure that our arrangements were all taken care of, and and we headed off to, to the United States. And sure enough, the elections took place on the 27th. They were contested. There were lawsuits. There was violence in the streets. The bishop's car was attacked. He had rocks and bricks and stones thrown at it. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a crazy part of the world. You see, the democracy in Kenya is less than 50 years old. And so they expect things like that to happen around elections. And yet here we are 11, 12 years later, and it's come home to our own country, right? I mean, we're seeing things that we did not ever expect to see. Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go any further than that, but just to say that, just to announce sort of where we are, to speak what, what's going on around us and these unprecedented times, which that's becoming such a cliche statement, right? I mean, how many times can we say these are unprecedented times? And yet here we are. And yet in the Lord's graciousness, I really believe the Lord uh, somehow, I don't understand, but somehow he he always seems to use the lectionary that was written long, long time ago, placing different readings for particular Sundays. He seems to always have a word to speak to us in the midst of the circumstances. And he does not let us down again this time. The Holy Spirit, somehow, I can't explain it, but somehow he seems to bring us a word that is mean, meaningful for the time that we find ourselves. And I believe that is true about the gospel reading today. And this, obviously, though we're in the season of Epiphany, I'm in white today because it's the celebration of the baptism of Jesus. The early church took great importance in Jesus' baptism. Sometimes I think we, we, we lose a little bit because we don't understand the, the ancient customs and the way, but, but for them, they saw very much the tie between Jesus' baptism and his inauguration into his ministry, his earthly ministry. Remember, Jesus began to really do public ministry until he's at the age of accountability, which is 30. You know, when you really become into your, your own. You can, you can take over your father's business at the age of 30. You can become really uh, sort of be a, a leader in the community at the age of 30. So if you're a 20-something man or a 20-something woman, rest assured your time is coming. You know, you'll, you'll be ready to step into that a little later on. Just kidding, Justin. You're already there, so. But it's, it's mentioned. Notice that it's mentioned um, 
Peter brings it up in Acts 10. He, he references, it's a little veiled, but he references the baptism of Jesus and talks about the importance of that beginning. Remember, Mark's the oldest of the Gospels. Mark gives us so few details. He only says 54 words about Jesus' baptism, but they're important 54 words. Jesus himself in Mark eleven twenty seven will think back to his baptism and reference it when he's confronted with who gave you the authority, Jesus, to do the things you're doing? He says, well, at my baptism, my Father in heaven gave me authority. And it's from his authority that I speak these things to you. Don't miss the fact that Isaiah 42 is a prophetic word from Isaiah to the servant of God who becomes identified with the Messiah who we see clearly as being the person of Jesus. Jesus is the beloved servant, the one who's chosen, but he is also the beloved son, just as prophetic words from places like Psalm 2 and other places in the scriptures, 1 Samuel 7 tell us, or 2 Samuel 7 tell us that, that in fact the Messiah will be the Son of God, the beloved Son, the one chosen. Three things happen that you need to take note of in this passage. First is that the, the sky is literally in the Greek torn open. Mark will use that term again when he talks about the temple, the, the temple curtain that divided the Holy of Holies from the, the outer court is torn asunder. It's ripped open to the way it cannot be repaired. It cannot be closed back up. The sky, Mark says, is ripped open. This is God's way of demonstrating powerfully that, that his kingdom is coming into this world. His kingdom is infiltrating our broken and sinful world. And the sky is ripped open so that it can never be closed again. In the view of all that we're walking through in our lives, remember that the kingdom of God has been initiated. It's been inaugurated. God has ripped open the skies and he will not close it up. The change cannot be reversed. So it's a, it's a power play on the part of God. Secondly, we see the spirit descending on the sun like a dove. Now, it's not a dove. It's descending like a dove. The Holy Spirit's not like a dove. The Spirit descends like a dove. It comes upon Jesus, not for the first time, but in, in, as, a, as a sign of his anointing and his being prepared to do the ministry he's called to do, to be the one who the scriptures say over and over again is to bring justice into the world. As a matter of fact, if you read again the Mark 42 passage that we read earlier, you see three times it's referenced that this, this chosen one will bring justice into the world. The word in the Hebrew is mispot, social order in which the concerns of all are addressed, says James Oswald, Old Testament scholar. Social order in which the concerns of all are addressed. Wouldn't that be nice in our day and time? To have all the needs 
addressed. He goes on to say, it's creation functioning. Sorry, my notes were written before I misplaced my glasses. Creation functioning in accordance with the Lord's design. His truth coming to bear on all circumstances. Friends, this is what we we long for in our fallen and broken world. The Messiah, Jesus, for whom the sky is ripped open and the spirit descends is the one that God has brought forth to bring in his eternal and everlasting kingdom and it is begun and Jesus has promised to bring this justice to bear. Thirdly, we get the proclamation. This, you, directly to Jesus, it's funny because in Matthew and Luke, it's more directed to those who are around Jesus to hear, but Mark quotes it directly, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus hears this affirmation from God the Father that, that he is the beloved one. If you've ever experienced being affirmed or, or by your parent, you know, that sense that you know, you, you come into an adulthood. I mean, when we're kids, our parents tell us they love us all the time, but when you're an adult and, and your parent, maybe your father or mother, really took you aside and said, I, I want you to know that, that I love you and I am so proud of you and you have become a woman or a man uh, of God that I am proud to call my son or daughter. If you've not experienced that, I, 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 I'm sorry that it hasn't happened to you. But if you have experienced it, you know what that affirmation does in your heart and life in terms of going forward. If you haven't, I pray that you will find someone, either your physical children or your spiritual children, that you can speak that over because it is a powerful thing to pray over people and to speak over people. Jesus hears it, but not just as a beloved son or daughter, but the chosen one, the beloved one, the one for whom God has put all his hope on to bring about his justice into the world. I read this passage earlier this week, ironically working on my sermon on Wednesday, and then began to have my phone blown up with all the words of the assault at the Capitol and, and what followed. The, it, it, it reminded me to lift up my head and to be mindful of Jesus' promise to bring about his perfect justice. And immediately I, I went back to the, to the Isaiah 42 passage that, that is clearly in line with what God the Father is speaking over Jesus at his baptism. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and will bring justice to the nations. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's expectations. He is bringing forth his justice into the world. His kingdom is coming. His justice is being done. And nothing can suppress it. What's hard for us as Christians is to continue to walk through all the brokenness of our world and to see all the injustices and to be confused with how we are to act in his benefit. And I want to remind us this morning that, that we must come back to Jesus and we must see him for who he is, the beloved chosen son of the father in whom all God the father's soul delights, the one who's been given the spirit to bring forth justice to the nations. Verse 2 and 3 from Isaiah 42 tell us, though, that this, my, this Jesus, this Messiah, and his, his kingdom will come in a very different way. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And I contrast that with the ways we try to bring about power plays in our culture, the fallen humanness and our attempts to match power with power, strength with strength. And this becomes difficult for us as followers of Christ because it's so counter-cultural, counter-intuitive. And yet here we're told that the Messiah will not bruise a reed, he will not break a reed, he will not, he will not even pinch out the, the, the dying ember of a candle. It's how peaceful he will be, how humble he will be, how quiet and faint he will be, and yet it will not deter him, it says, from bringing about his justice. Friends, it is clear for me, let me just jump to the, to the application. We who are in Christ can also be called beloved. We who are in Christ can also be called chosen, loved, selected by the Father. But to live into that Identity as a beloved child, a beloved son or daughter, will require that we understand that we must follow in the ways of Jesus. And they're very counterintuitive ways. They're very countercultural ways. Isaiah 42 tells us that. It goes on to say in verse 4 that he will not grow faint or be discouraged, but that he will establish justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Again, second time, he will bring forth justice. He will bring forth this perfect social order where all the needs are addressed, and yet he will not grow faint and discouraged. I don't know about you, but I woke up on Monday a little faint and a little discouraged pandemic still with us, the political unrest is still with us, the issues of racism are still with us, the, the division of our country is still with us, and it's cold, and it's gray, and it's 
And I found myself faint and discouraged. Can we take faith and courage in the fact that Isaiah says that he will not be discouraged or faint, but will bring about his justice in the earth? The coastlands wait for his law. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. The powers of this world will fall away. Only his justice will stand. But he's going to go about it in such a covert way, in such a counterintuitive way that it will happen in a sense that there will be no violent uprising, but yet there will be justice that will come and we must not grow weary and faint, we who follow after him. Verse 5, the Lord says, I who created the heavens and the earth, who stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes on it, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk in it. He says to the Messiah, he says to Jesus prophetically here in Isaiah 42, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness and God's standard of truth, and I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. I will give you as a covenant to the people. This one will be a covenant to the people. Our pledge that he who died for us will be faithful to keep his word to the very end. I will give you as a covenant to the people a light to the nations to open the eyes of the blind, to bring the prisoners from the dungeon and the prison those who sit in darkness. What is the Messiah's kingdom going to look like? It's going to look like removing people from oppression and prison and darkness, both physical as well as spiritual prisons and spiritual darkness. We don't see it on a a macro level, but we see it on a micro level. I mean, just this last week, we we heard word that our dear Lena's husband, Ruben Sr., has received approval to come back into the United States uh, from Mexico. And and if you don't know that, that's an amazing thing because the, the prison of his being exiled back to Mexico has been a tragic thing for that family. And yet, We've just heard this word by the grace of God through his work and through the power of prayer and encouragement for many. We're going to see him, Reuben, come home to us, whom none of us have met. And the Lord does that all the time. He does that spiritually in the lives of people entrapped in darkness. And he does it physically in the life of sometimes those who are imprisoned or captured in poverty or in, in oppressive situations, the Lord sets people free. He brings them out of captivity, and he wants to do that. He wants to see people set free from cycles of poverty and cycles of addiction. And he wants to bring them into life, and he is doing it. But he's doing it in such a quiet and covert way that sometimes it feels as if he's not doing anything. Which is why we have to celebrate Jesus' baptism. And be reminded of the prophetic word of Isaiah 42, that yes, the Lord is bringing about his justice, but he will do it in his own way, in his own time. And we 
who would be his followers must do likewise. The last thing I'm going to say from Isaiah 42 is this. We must be careful that we don't separate the work of justice from Jesus. Because what Isaiah goes on to say in verse 8 is that the Lord will not, he says, I am the Lord, this is my name. By the way, that word Lord means covenant. I'm a covenant-keeping God. I'm a God who keeps his word. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will, my glory I, I will give to no other. My praise to no carved idols. The Lord will not allow anyone else to receive the glory except himself. Not because he's a selfish God, but because he understands that anything else that we would put our hope and our trust in will become for us an idol, a false God. Something that we will give thanks for above God who will bring about his justice and his salvation, but he will do it himself. He will not share his glory with another. So be careful to put your hope and your trust in anyone or anything, any institution, any political party. The Lord has said he will bring about his justice, but he will do it himself. Behold, the former things have come to pass. New things I will now declare. Before, the spring, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Friends, this morning, let us be encouraged by Isaiah's prophetic word, fulfilled at the baptism of Jesus. Let us remember that in Christ, we too can become his beloved chosen ones. But that means that we take on his job description as well. But we fulfill that description in his way as he gives us opportunity. And let us never, ever separate the job from Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, make it so in us. One last word, I I apologize, one last thing. I heard this quote, and I think it just sums up what I'm trying to say. God answers the oppressors of this world not with more oppression, nor arrogance with more arrogance, but rather in quietness, humility, and simplicity. He takes all the evil into himself and returns only grace. This is power. Amen.